And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. He was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr, and suits so fine they made Sinatra look like a hobo. Is this your place, Carl? Yeah, what do you think? Really? It's really awful. But I have a lot of things that are on order. You know, credit trouble. Pay more attention to your schoolwork and listen to the radio. You always listen to the radio. It's different. Our lives are ruined already. The Whistler. Self-destruct in five seconds. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents the best in classic radio. This hour on Hollywood 360, it's a space age adventure of Tom Corbett's Space Cadet from 1952. Then Willard Waterman stars as everyone's favorite water commissioner on part one of the Great Gildersleeve from 1950. With me to help present these radio classics is my co-host, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, how are you? This is quite a studio we're in here, Lisa. It sure is. Wow, what did this set you back? Oh, just a couple million. No, oh, that's really, all. Which oh, is not okay. really that's no big deal. nothing for Lisa. I'll make it up. Mike, these are uh, pretty spanking uh, studios here. They sure are. We should what, take what'd you say about spanking? spanking? They're awfully spanking. We should take a picture of us in the studio and okay. post it. Want right. to do that? Let's when do we're it. done with the show, we'll do that, folks. All right, it's time now for an episode of Tom Corbett. Space Cadet. This was a sci-fi adventure, and uh, Tom Corbett was featured in television, radio, books, and comic strips in the 1950s. Very popular. And it followed the adventures of Tom Corbett, Astro, Roger Manning, and T.J. Thistle, which were cadets at the Space Academy as they trained to become members of the Solar Guard. That's where Lisa is the head of. She's the head of the Solar Guard. Out in the uh, in this in this cosmos, in the, in the cosmos. Well, you get to do that when you got a spaceship. That's true. And the stories revolved around the academy and classrooms aboard their training ship, the rocket cruiser Polaris, and on alien worlds, both within the solar system and in orbit around nearby stars. It was inspired by the 1948 Robert Heinlein novel Space Cadets. It came to TV in 1949 and radio a few years later in 1952. Frankie Thomas was Corbett, Al Markin was Astro, and Jan Merlin was Roger Manning. So we have a radio episode now of Tom Corbett Space Cadet, a broadcast from January 29th. 1952 with the Vanadium Hijackers, starring Frank Thomas Jr. Here is part one of Tom Corbett, Space Cadet. Kellogg's Pep, the build-up wheat cereal, invites you to rocket into the future with Tom Corbett, Space Cadet. Stand by to raise ship. Last off, minus five, four... Three, two, one, zero! As roaring rockets blast off to distant planets and far-flung stars, we take you to the age of the conquest of space with... A sliver of light on the eastern horizon throws a soft glow on the long, sleek shape of the rocket patrol cruiser Polaris as it stands at its launching berth on the Space Academy ground. Inside the gleaming spaceship, the three cadet members of its crew, Tom Corbett, Roger Manning, and Astro, are going through the routine of a pre-blast-off check. 
Does dial four amperage check, Astro? Check, Tom. As I was saying, when... Hold it, Manning. Something's coming through the news facsimile receiver. It's just a news bulletin. Listen to this. Central government hints at new clues in the mysterious disappearance of special cargo ship. New clues? Space gas. Now look, Roger. Oh, don't mind, Roger. Tom, go ahead. It has been less than a week since the space freighter Elsie Joe disappeared near the sun, loaded with an invaluable cargo of nearly pure vanadium. Already large quantities of the precious alloy have appeared in the black market on Earth. Is that what they call a new clue? Well, I could have told Hold it a minute. Sources close to the central government now believe that the cargo freighter was hijacked and an immediate investigation will be launched to establish the identity of the hijackers. Now I ask you, what kind of double talk is that? You've read the whole bulletin. We still don't know any more than when you started. Nobody expects you to know anything, Bubblehead. I wonder if they really have any leads. I can answer that for you, gentlemen. Captain Strong. Why, these men. I see you've been reading the facsimile bulletin. Yes, sir. They claim there's some fresh evidence on that hijacking job. Yeah, there is. I just came from a briefing in Commander Arkwright's office where we were told that a small, privately owned rocket ship has been reported ferrying the vanadium in from a hiding place somewhere near the sun. Well, sir, are they sure it's the same vanadium that was on the freighter? Well, it has to be, Tom. They've checked the vanadium mining operation on I.O., and the only quantity of the stuff that's unaccounted for is the load that disappeared under our noses. I still don't see how they pulled off that job. It's pretty clear to me. Captain Lamar was in with those hijackers. That's why he picked that crazy course and took a ship so close to the sun. Very good, Manning. That's the way Central Intelligence figures it. Of course, we'll never know for sure unless we catch them. Well, what are our orders, sir? Is the Polaris going to try to track down that private ship? Right, Tom. Have you men completed your checkup? Yes, sir. Good. Then prepare to blast off. We raise ship in ten minutes. Radio bridge control, Vic. What have you got, Manning? Spaceship, sir. Third quadrant. Position 2150. Solar guard or merchant? Neither, sir. It, it looks like the one we're after. Well, patch it down here. I want to see the scanner. Aye, sir. You've got it. Here, sir. It's in focus now. Yes. That's our baby, all right. Call them, Tom. Tell them to prepare for boarders. Yes, sir. Polaris calling. Identify yourself and stand by for a boarding party. Spacecraft in position 2150. Identify yourself and stand by for an inspection party. Oh, they're not answering, sir. Manning, alter course to intercept them. Aye, sir. Control deck to power deck. Stand by, Astro. We may need auxiliary power for maneuvering. Standing by, sir. Captain Strong, they're making a lateral sweep and firing auxiliary rockets. Astro, give me full space speed. Manning, keep the fix on them. We can overtake them. Well, no, sir, we can't. They're pulling away. Why, it's impossible. We're at top speed. Just the same, sir. They're getting away. She's too fast for us. We can't overhaul her. While on patrol duty in space, the rocket cruiser Polaris attempts to intercept an unidentified spaceship suspected of ferrying vanadium that has been hijacked from a government freighter. But to the utter surprise and chagrin of the Polaris crew, the renegade craft easily outdistances them and disappears. It's no use, Captain Strong. She's so fast, we can't even get a fix on her anymore. It's incredible. I never saw anything like the way that ship pulled away from us. It was those auxiliary rockets she carries that did it. That must be the fastest spaceship in the universe. You're not just blowing your jets, Roger. That ship can really move. Tom, get out a general CQ to all patrol ships. Tell them to be on the lookout for that craft. Aye, sir. Polaris to all patrol ships. Polaris to all patrol ships. Watch for unidentified spaceship, believed to be the vanadium hijackers, moving at extremely high speed. Course undetermined. 
If any patrol ship does spot her, Captain Strong, how are they going to overhaul her? I don't know, Astro, but we'll have to find a way. Well, if we could isolate that ship in some single quadrant, Captain, one of our craft might be able to shoot her down. That's what I had in mind, Roger. Rocket signal, Ryan. Calling the Polaris. Well, here comes something, Captain. We read you, Orion. Go ahead. We just spotted the unidentified craft. Coordinates 61-45-67 by 43-44-22. Check those coordinates, Roger. Yes, sir. You were right about her speed. Our attempt to overhaul her failed. She refused to answer our ID request and we lost touch. We're going to maintain the search. Thanks, Orion. Keep us posted. Spaceman's luck. End transmission. Sir, with their report and ours, I think I've got a fix on her course. Well, where's she headed, Manning? At the moment, sir, right toward the sun. All right, men. Prepare to alter course. We're going to follow her in as far as she goes. Well, Mr. Wald, I presume you heard that conversation between the Solar Guard ships. Yes, and I don't like it, Lamar. Two ships reporting our position gives them a fix on our course. Shall we alter it and head for outer space? No, we won't be caught if we don't lose our heads. How far are we from our base now? At this speed, some seven hours or so. All right, hold the course. We'll go there and hole up until it's safe to freight more of that vanadium back to Earth. But what if they track us to our base? The chances are pretty slim that they can do that, Lamar. But if they do? That will be too bad for them. Because if they do, they'll never live to report it. Well, Captain Strong, that's that. Nothing to report. It looks like a clean getaway for those hijackers. I wonder, Tom. Say, Astro, let me see that space chart again. Here you are, sir. Now, according to the fix we had on that ship, it was headed toward the sun. Right, Manning? Yes, sir. Not far from where the cargo ship was hijacked. You'd almost think they had their base on the sun. That's impossible. Look, Bubblehead, you don't have to tell me that. Now, look, look here on the chart, fellas. At the present time, the sun lies directly between us and only one other planet. Mercury. Right, Tom. And since the L.C. Joe was hijacked very close to the sun, wouldn't it seem logical that the hijacker's base would be relatively close by? Well, that makes sense to me. Sure. Now, it looks to me as if we scared them, so they put on full speed and headed for their base, which is probably near here someplace. Sounds right. And if true, they shouldn't be too hard to find. Well, how can you say that, Captain? Mercury has a diameter of over 3,000 miles. Yes, but they couldn't hide their base on the sunlit side of Mercury. The heat of the sun would be too much. Also, they would be detected too easily. Well, they'd hardly set up a secret base in the twilight zone. That's the only place on the planet where there are any colonies. Exactly, Astro, which leaves us only the dark side of the planet to search. Now, my guess is their base will be hidden there. Probably as close to the twilight zone as possible. The dark side of Mercury. Oh, that's about as cold as Pluto. Well, it's not exactly a pleasant place, but that's where we're going to have a look. If I'd have known this, I'd have worn my electrothermal underwear. Cut your jets, Roger. This is serious business. All right, men. Get to your stations. We're headed for Mercury. Well, Lamar, have you picked up anything? Yeah, a ship just came within range of our base radar wall. They're headed this way. Uh-oh. I was afraid of that. By its contours, I guess it's the Polaris. The Polaris, eh? Uh. That strong ship. 
We've got to be careful of them. He's got a pretty good cadet crew. I know. The Polaris was our escort ship when we pulled this job. I almost didn't shake them. How long will it take them to get here? Well, they should be in this latitude in another ten minutes. Because they may pass right over. After all, this base is pretty well hidden. Don't be a fool, Lamar. Our huts are bound to lose some heat no matter how well insulated. This makes it possible for their sensitive detectors to locate our base while still hundreds of miles away. Well, then what can we do? I've got a little surprise for them. Look here, Lamar. Ever see one of these? Looks like an electron beam projector. Right. It's an old weapon, but a good one. It will short out any electric circuit in a radius of as much as a mile. But that's no good against the Polaris world. Every rocket ship in the last 50 years has had counter-equipment triggered by the beam itself. I know that, but I'm not going to use it against the ship, Lamar. I'm going to use it on the crew. You'll see what I mean when the time comes. I won't have long to wait, then. Look at that screen. Oh, they're entering the dark zone. What's their altitude? Uh, down about 60 miles. They've reduced speed, too. They're searching for our base. Okay, let them find it. We'll be ready for them. Any reaction from the screen, Tom? Not yet, Captain. I'm adjusting the scanner now. Ah, here we are. Well? The detector indicates heat, sir. In small quantities, such as might escape from an insulated building. Good. We've located their base. Put her on automatic stabilizer, Tom. We're going down. Landing completed, Captain. Now, good work, Astro. Come on up here. Tom, what about that heat source? Well, we're somewhere within a thousand yards of it, sir. You can't see a thing out there. How are we going to find it? On foot, Roger. All right, men, break out the pressurized suits. All right, sir. Let's go, fellas. And Tom. Yes, sir? Break out that special survival kit, too. We'd better take it along with us. Right. Now then, let's have a check. Uh, Sidearms, infrared spot. Oh, I have that, sir. Portable radar. Right here, sir. Survival kit. I'll take that. Now, recheck the heating and pressure units in your suits. We wouldn't be able to walk with all this junk if the gravity were anything to speak of. Out there, without this junk, as you call it, Roger, we wouldn't survive more than five minutes. Now, stand by to open the airlock. There they are, Wald. They're coming out of the Polaris airlock now. All right, Lamar. Turn on the beam projector. Here it goes. Let it warm up before you focus the beam. It'll be ready in a minute. But you still didn't explain what you're going to do with it. Let me get at that viewplate. This has to be focused exactly right. Give me the precise range. The ship or the crew? The crew, of course. Uh, 250 yards. Good. Well within the most effective range. It should work perfectly. But that beam isn't powerful enough to stop a man at any range over ten yards. No, but it's effective enough to short out the heating units in their spacesuits. The heating units? Sure. Without those, how long do you think they can be active out there? By Jupiter, they wouldn't last long. What an idea. All right, Lamar, stand by. Just a few more yards, and we'll let them have it. All right, men. Keep close together. Don't get separated in this darkness. Will you listen to that wind? This is worse than Pluto. At least it's quiet there. The detector indicates the heat source is over this way a few degrees, sir. All right, Tom. Flash the spotlight that way, Astro. Aye, sir. Still no sign of anything. Well, they'll have it well camouflaged. You can bet on that. Keep your weapons ready. They may be tracking us. The signal's at maximum, sir. We must be within a few yards of it. Wait, Astro. Don't move the spot. I just saw something. A flash of metal. Very neat. Well, the ship must be concealed around here somewhere, too. Probably underground. Uh, 
Hey, you know something, fellas? Imagination's a funny thing. Even in this insulated suit, I'm starting to feel cold. You're space happy, Roger. How can you get cold with a heating unit in your suit? Hey, I don't feel exactly warm myself. Hold it up, men. Something's gone wrong. What is it, sir? Our heating units aren't functioning. I'm beginning to feel cold myself. What about you, Astro? Yes, sir. I hate to admit it, but I feel it, too. Well, the heating units have conked out. What are we going to do, sir? If we stay out here much longer, we'll freeze to death. In the merciless cold of the dark side of Mercury, where the temperature stands at almost absolute zero, four figures huddle together against a howling gale, their spacesuits rendered useless as protection against the elements, now that the vanadium hijackers have caused the heating units in them to cease operation. For a moment, they remain motionless in stunned realization of their plight. And then, with a mighty effort, Captain Strong forces himself to move. Kit, I've got to get it open. What's that, sir? The survival kit. What good is the survival kit now? It can... It can save our lives. If I can rip it open. There. Yeah, that does it. I, I'm numb. Here. Emergency batteries. Quick, come. Attach this to your... Your heating unit mechanism. Yes, sir. There's one for you, Astro. Manning? Then I've got one, too. My fingers. They're so stiff, I can hardly move them. Uh, hurry. Hurry, there's no time to lose. There, I... Yes, I've got it. I've got mine, too. Oh, my feet. Your, your extremities may hurt for a minute as, as the circulation starts again, but it won't last too long. My ears feel like they're going to drop off. Great galaxy, I didn't know how cold a man could be. We'll be all right soon. Not for long. These are only emergency batteries. Well, then, we'd better get back to the ship fast. Not yet. We've still got a, a chance to capture those men. How, sir? Roger. Astro, lie down on the ground here. You say lie down, sir? Yes, as, as though you'd collapsed. Come on, now. Be quick. We've got to work fast. Okay, sir. Come on, Roger. Hit the deck. Now, we're going to try to trap these men out in the open. When they spot you two lying here, they'll, they'll be sure you collapse from the cold. They'll think that Tom and I are somewhere behind you. Oh, I get it, sir. Astro and I are the decoys. That's right. Now, when they come out here to investigate, we'll be ready for them. Sounds like it might work at that. It's got to work. All right, Tom. You come with me. Yes, sir. What if those men don't show up before these emergency batteries go dead? Well, that's the chance we've got to take. All right, Lamar, you can shut off that beam now. Okay, Wald. That should take care of our visitors. Now we'll have a look. Get into your spacesuit. I want you to go out there and find them. Me? Oh, no thanks, Wald. What do you mean, no thanks? That's an order. I don't care what it is. I'm not setting foot out of here alone. Oh, so that's what's on your mind. You don't trust me, eh? You think I'll try to do away with you? You guessed it. Now, why would I want to do that, Lamar? Because you don't need me anymore, that's why. You needed me to hijack that vanadium and help you establish the base here. But now things are getting hot, and I happen to be the only one who can put the finger oh, on you. Oh, you're crazy. Am I? Don't forget I saw what happened to Franklin. I had to get rid of him. The easiest way was to dump him in space. Well, I'm not going to make things so easy for you. Okay, if you feel that way, break out my spacesuit, too. We'll go out there together. 
afraid our trap's not going to work, Captain Strong. Yeah, it's beginning to look like it, Tom. And we can't make, wait much longer. These emergency batteries will conk out any minute now. Hold it, sir. What is it? Look over there. That big boulder. See. Well, for a second, it seemed to be moving. It is moving, sir. Look, it's the entrance to their underground hideout. Two men are coming out. Stay down and keep them covered. Don't worry, sir. I sure will. Don't make a move now. Hey, they're going over toward Astro and Manning. That's just what I was hoping they'd do. Now we can move in behind them. Come on, Tom. I'm with you, sir. That's the first portion of Tom Corbett's Space Cadet. More after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Now let's get back to Tom Corbett, Space Cadet. Loosen their spacesuits, Lamar. Make sure they're finished. Okay, well, you keep looking for those other two. That won't be necessary, mister. We're right behind you. Strong, drop those weapons. We've got you covered. Astro, Manning, disarm them. Right. You heard the orders. I'll take those guns. All right, you got it. I'll say we have, and we've got the vanadium, too. Good work, men. Step on it now. Let's get them aboard the Polaris. Yeah. I want to be where it's nice and warm when these batteries go dead. Roger, this is one time you and I agree completely. Don't miss the next action-packed adventure with Tom Corbett, Space Cadet. An adventure in which the cadet crew of the Polaris face death in space as the victims of willful sabotage in an interplanetary space tournament. Tune in, same time, same station, for the next thrilling interplanetary adventure with... Tom Corbett! Face to death! Brought to you by Kellogg's Pep, the build-up wheat cereal. Tom Corbett's Space Cadet, starring Frankie Thomas, can also be seen on television and appears in the comic sections of many of America's leading newspapers. Look for it daily and in weekend editions. Featured in the cast were Al Markham, Jan Merlin, Edward Bryce, and James McCallion. Today's program was written by Gil Braun and directed by Drex Hines. Jackson Beck speaking. This program came to you from New York. 
And that's Tom Corbett, Space Cadet, from January 29, 1952, with the Vanadium Hijackers, starring Frank Thomas Jr., also in that cast, Edward Bryce and Jan Merlin. It was sponsored by Kellogg's Pep, as heard on ABC. Well, before we tune into The Great Gildersleeve, I want to remind everyone listening to go to our website, Hollywood360radio.com. Check out our podcast there and uh, also all the pictures of Lisa and our schedule. Also, you should be picking up a copy of Remind Magazine. That is a magazine that is our main sponsor here on Hollywood 360. I write an article every single month for Remind Magazine about classic radio. It's called Radio 360. We have our full schedule in that magazine as well. And the magazine is all about nostalgia and movies and TV and radio from the 1950s, 60s. 40s, 70s, you know, jumps all around. There's always a theme every issue, and it's a monthly magazine, full color. It's fantastic. Just go to remindmagazine.com. That's remindmagazine.com, or pick up a copy at any Barnes and Noble store or any Walmart store. Check it out, Remind Magazine. You won't be sorry. All right, it's time now for the Great Gilders Leave. Let's go back to December 13, 1950. Chief Gates is on the spot. And this stars Willard Waterman, part one of the Great Gildersleeve. The Kraft Foods Company presents Willard Waterman as the Great Gildersleeve. The Great Gildersleeve is brought to you each week by the Kraft Foods Company. Well, Old Man Winter blew into Summerfield last night, and it looks like he's here to stay. Out at the Great Gildersleeve's house this morning, our water commissioner is down in the basement, having a little set-to with the furnace. Confounded furnace. No heat coming out, Miss Gildersleeve. Yeah, I'm working on it, Bertie. How you coming, huh? I'm doing all right, Leroy. It takes a little time to get the furnace fired up on a cold morning like this. Well, we're having a keen time up in the kitchen. Old Marge and Bronco and me all standing around in front of the stove. I got broiled. No heat coming up yet! It's coming, Bertie. Why are we giving an oil furnace, Unc? All you gotta do is turn it on and bang, it goes. Bang. Oil furnaces cost money, my boy. Besides, what would we do with this one? We could use it for a deep freeze. (laughs) I'm afraid an oil furnace is a little beyond our means right now. Well, you could promote one. You know, tell the guy you want to try it out. And then we could try it out for three or four years. Oh, my goodness. That isn't honest, Leroy. He's turned up now, Miss Gilsey. All right, Bertie. What's dishonest about it? They give you a free trial. You just don't say how long, Uncle Mort. Leroy, they wouldn't do that. Besides, I wouldn't do such a thing. I'm the water commissioner, a city official. Whatever I do has to be absolutely on the up and up. Yeah, I guess so. That's something for you to remember, too, my boy. Never let yourself get mixed up in anything that isn't open and above board. Honesty is the best policy. Every time. Uncle Moore! Yes, Marjorie? Judge Hooker is here. Be right there. Come on, Leroy. Morning, Gilda. Well, hello, Judge. It's such a cold morning, I thought I'd stop by and drive you downtown in my new car. I have a heater. Well, thank you, Horace. Well, good morning, Judge. Morning, Marjorie. Leroy. Hi. Won't you have some breakfast with it? No, thanks, Marjorie. I've had my rye crisp and a beaker of Kalak water. Oh, brother. Judge, on a day like this, 
How can you operate on K-like water? Maybe he mixes it with antifreeze. <laughs> Leroy. Holy kidding. Very amusing, Leroy. But if you don't mind, I won't eat. I'm not hungry. I'm a little worried. You worried, Judge? I suppose you read of the mayor's plans for a shake-up at City Hall? No, I haven't seen the morning paper. Well, the paper doesn't mention names, Gildy, but I happen to know who the mayor intends to let out. Well, it can't be me. No, but I know who it is. Who, Horace? Well, don't rush me. <laughs> let me tell you how I came by the information. Judge, just tell me who it is. I went to a movie last evening with Miss Matterhorn. She's in the Hall of Records, you know. Yes, Judge. On the way home, after we discussed the picture, which, by the way, was excellent, but that's beside the point. Yeah, I'll say it is. Who's being let out? I'm coming to that. Wendy, old goat. <laughs> it seems that Miss Matterhorn was lunching at the cafeteria with the mayor's secretary. They lunch together on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Judge, who's getting the axe? Well, to make a long story short... Chief of Police, Gates. The Chief? Not Chief Gates. Gosh, good old Chief Gates. You can see why I'm worried, Gildy. Our old friend and fellow Jolly Boy is facing a catastrophe. This is terrible. He's such a gentle, kind man. That seems to be the trouble, my dear. He hasn't made a major arrest all year. He returns a lot of lost dogs. Uncle, <laughs> um, can't you do something about it? Well, I'm sure if anybody can do something about it, I can Yeah, Uncle's in solid with the mayor You bet If I may say so, Gildy, I don't think the chief's future should be entrusted to you alone Oh? Why not? I propose we form a committee of influential citizens with me at the head Yeah, I knew it Publicity hound What? Judge, we don't need a committee We don't need a head I'll handle it. Good for you, Unky. Atta boy, Unk. Yeah, I'll talk to the mayor first thing this morning. Well, if you think you can do it, Gilday. Sure. Good. Then at the Jolly Boys meeting this evening, we can tell Chief Gates the glad tidings. A good idea, Judge. My, it'll be like an early Christmas present to our old and dear friend. Well, don't worry about a thing. I won't, Gilday. My, I'm so relieved I could just burst out into song. Tarara-boom-dee-ay, tarara boom dee singing old goat. Yeah, the judge is a well-meaning old fellow. There's no use organizing a committee to do what one good man can do. If the mayor gives me any trouble, I'll just diplomatically remind him that I got him re-elected. Yeah, Gildersleeve, you're smooth. You Mr. Mayor? Yes, who is it? It's I. Throckmorton P. Gildersleeve. Oh, come in, Gildersleeve. Thank you. Well, what's on the water commissioner's mind? Well, the water commissioner would like to put on a little pressure. <laughs> yeah. Yes, well, <clears throat> we, uh, we could have used some pressure this morning, Gildersleeve. All I got out of my faucet was a drip. I thought about you. Oh? <laughs> I wonder what he meant by that. Well, Gildersleeve, what's on your mind? I'm uh, busy reading about myself in the paper. Oh, yes. That's what I want to talk to you about, Mr. Mayor. The grapevine tells me you're going to dismiss Police Chief Gates. You heard correctly. Now, Mr. Mayor, if I were you, I'd go easy on this shake-up business. Gildersleeve, you're not me. Are you presuming to tell me how to run my office? You no. Certainly not, Mr. Mayor. But why pick on the chief? Gildersleeve, I can see you're not aware of the trend. Trend? Since elections, they're talking shake-up throughout the country. It's an extremely popular movement. 
And my administration isn't going to be behind the times. Yeah, but getting rid of the chief might not be popular in Summerfield. Why not? He never arrests anybody. That's the chief reason he isn't going to be chief any longer. (laughs) But, Mr. Mayor, you wouldn't do that to a friend of mine. Oh, wouldn't I? Don't forget, I can retire him just as easily as I can fire you. Oof! You can't fire me. You don't have a reason. Well, I can find a reason. Oh, yeah. Don't forget, old man, that it was I who got you reelected. Gildersleeve, that's an insult. Get out of my office. Gladly. You didn't elect me. You just planged on my bandwagon. That was no bandwagon. That was a dump truck. <laughs> Doesn't pay to be diplomatic with the mayor. Now what'll I tell the jolly boys tonight? <laughs> I almost didn't come to the meeting tonight. I hate to face the chief. Oh, why did I have to shoot off my big mouth? Hi, Commissioner, old pal. Hello, Floyd. We've been waiting for you, Gilda. Have you, Judge? Hello, Phoebe. Hello, my friend, Gilda. (laughs) Gilda, the chief was so downcast, I had to tell him what you're doing for him. Oh, sure. Hello, Mr. Gildersleeve. I knew everything was going to be all right when they told me you were interceding with the mayor. Well, the committee's a great guy, any PV? Yeah, yeah. We're all proud of you, Gildersleeve. And grateful. Well, fellows, I have a little statement to make. Now, Commissioner, why don't we just sing a song and let it go at that? But... No, 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 PV. How about when good fellows get together? That's the idea. Something with sediment. No, wait a minute, Floyd. Good fellows. I'd like to sing that. Okay, here we go. For it's always farewell. But when good fellows get together with a hand clasp of friendship and a good Miss, we need you. But, oh well, what the heck? <laughs> and it's burned all of when good fellows get together with a sign on the table and a good song ringing clear. Finished, Chief. Yes, it established the new law. <laughs> well, I was singing that from the heart and looking right at the water, Commissioner. You well, as I started to say, when you fellows insisted on singing. Yeah, yeah, the commission had a speech to make. Uh, before you make your speech, Commissioner, I want you to know I phoned my mother in Salinas. You did? She wants to bake you a cake, Commissioner. <laughs> Bless her heart. Bless you, too, Gilday. Oh, my goodness. Look, fellas, I didn't save the chief. You didn't? That's what I've been trying to tell you. What happened, Gilday? Well, I went to bat for the chief, but the mayor wouldn't hear of it. He even threatened to fire me. Sorry, chief. That's all right, Commissioner. I know you did your best. I think I'll go home. I'll drive you home, chief. I should get home early anyway. Mrs. Peavy has the sniffles. Good night, fellas. Good night. 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 Good night
time. Poor guy. Fellows, I couldn't help it. You know I'd do anything for the chief. Anything. And I tried. What did the mayor say? Well, he says the chief never does anything. He never arrests anybody. True. He happens to be a compassionate man. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's true blue. But the mayor wants some action. Too bad there ain't somebody the chief can arrest. This town can't even support a good burglar. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nothing's happened here since Roly Jones broke into the jail. Oh, Roly is very fond of the chief and the jail. Hey, I got a flash, fellas. If the mayor wants action, why don't we get Roly Jones to pull a job and let the chief arrest him? No, just a minute, Floyd. That isn't honest. I heartily disapprove, Floyd, and I'm sure the chief would, too. Ah, the chief won't know nothing about it. We'd only do it to save his job. Well, you can count me out. You said you'd do anything to help the chief. Well... What about poor Roly Jones? He'll love it. Winter in the nice, warm jail, playing pinochle with the chief. <laughs> well, I don't like it. I guess I'm stuck. You don't have to steal anything. Just get caught breaking in someplace. What would he break into? The water department? <laughs> Nothing doing. What about your law, Judge? No, no, indeed. Don't count me a part of that. Lloyd, what about your barbershop? Uh-uh. Let's pick on somebody who ain't here. <laughs> well, Stevie isn't here. No, he isn't, is he? <laughs> His drugstore is just the spot. You bet. <laughs> What a sneaky way to save the chief's job. Last night at the Jolly Boys meeting, the great man promised to do anything to help Chief Gates keep his job. And Floyd Munson is holding him to his word. Right now, the water commissioner is on his way to the drugstore with a little surprise for Mr. Peavy. Yeah, I wonder if this isn't going a little too far. Good, if the chief doesn't make an arrest soon, the mayor will fire him. Right, George, you can't blame a guy for going to bat for a friend. And Peavy will be glad to help. All he has to do is let Roly Jones break into his store. Hello, Peavy. Uh, hello, Mr. Jones, please. What can I do for you this morning? Peavy, I've got news for you. You're Yep. Last night after you left, Floyd thought of a surefire plan to save the chief's job. Thank you. Well, it's very confidential, Peavy. But I think you should be in it. Yeah, well. Now, it stands to reason the mayor won't fire Chief Gates. He makes a spectacular arrest, doesn't it? Well, yes. The chief doesn't know it yet. But he's going to catch old Roly Jones breaking into a store. This is Floyd's idea, you say? Yep. I didn't think it was Roly's. Oh, you'll be tickled to death. You'll have a warm place to sleep this winter, and the chief can keep his job. Shrewd plan, eh, Petey? Well, yes, and very amusing. Whose store are they breaking into? Yours. (laughs) Now, Phoebe, all you have to do is leave your alley window unlocked. We'll take care of everything else. That's what I'm afraid of. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. We agree that something has to be done for the chief, don't we? Yes, but can't we do it someplace else? Phoebe, Roly won't steal anything. You know that with Floyd and me there, you've got nothing to worry about. No, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) These overshoes will come in handy on a night like this. If I can just get them on. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah. Where's my stocking cap? Well, Lloyd's right on time. Hi, Commissioner. Come in out of the coal fire. You fix things up at the peas? Yeah, he's leaving the window open. What about Roley? He's delighted. We're picking him up at the pool hall. You're right. I had a little trouble getting out tonight, Commissioner. Oh? Yeah, my wife wanted to know what I was up to. <laughs> That's where I've got it on you married men, Floyd. I come and go as I please. There's nobody to ask a lot of embarrassing questions. Yeah? Did I hear the doorbell, Anki? Yes, my dear. Oh, hello, Mr. Munson. Hi, Marge. Anki, are you going out on a night like this? You will, Marjorie. Hey, what's going on? Now, Leroy. Hi, Mr. Munson. Hi, kid. Where are you going, Anki? Leroy, this doesn't concern you. Who does it concern? Leroy, this isn't your business. Whose business is it? Your No questions, Pat Commission. <laughs> all right, Floyd. It's awfully cold out, Anki. You have to go. Now, look, Marjorie, I appreciate your interest. And yours, too, Leroy. Oh, that's all right, but where are you going? Now, see here. Mr. Munson and I have an appointment downtown. It's a purely personal affair. Is that understood, Leroy? Sure. Marjorie? Of course, Anki. Good. And there'll be no more questions about it. Excuse me, where are you going? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Make a break for the car, Floyd. <laughs> And that's the first portion of The Great Gildersleeve from 1950, starring Willard Waterman. More of Hollywood 360 after these words. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Hi, this is Carl Amari. I've started the Classic Radio Club, where each month you'll receive 10 of the greatest shows of all time on five CDs in a collector case. Join now and receive your first five-CD collection of 10 classic radio shows, regularly priced at $39.95 for only $4.99. Each month I'll hand-select 10 more of the greatest classic radio shows of all time from my library of 100,000 shows and send them to you on five CDs. And I promise they'll be superior sound quality and you'll never receive a duplicate show. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com and we'll rush you your first five-CD collection with ten of the greatest classic radio shows of all time for only $4.99. Your first collection will feature Abbott and Costello, Sam Spade, Dimension X, Escape, Fibber McGee and Molly, Gunsmoke, Have Gun Will Travel, Inner Sanctum, Jack Benny, and Suspense. You're going to love the Classic Radio Club. Learn how to join at ClassicRadioClub.com. That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Hey, fans of Classic Radio, Carl Amari here. I've created a free app just for you. Get 10 Classic Radio shows free in the Classic Radio Shows app. Plus, there are many more shows available for in-app purchase. You can get your free Classic Radio Shows app in the Google Play Store or the Apple Store. The easiest way to get your free app is to log on to Hollywood360radio.com and scroll down to the Classic Radio Shows app banner and click either the Google link or the Apple link. Don't miss out. Get your free Classic Radio Shows app today. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Next time, it's the conclusion to The Great Gildersleeve from 1950, starring Willard Waterman. Then a good crime classics episode, True Crime Case from 1953. That's next time here on Hollywood 360. We'll see you then.